0: Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I'm really excited for you to meet today's guest, Allie Danziger, founder of Ampersand. But before I introduce you, in today's episode, we talk a lot about the impact your team can have on your business and even more so the importance of training them. As you continue to learn and grow from your own businesses, I invite you to join my new exclusive group, Found Her Confidential. From exclusive podcast content called Found Her Files, a monthly Zoom lesson, Q&A, an ebook with worksheets, and a Facebook group where you can connect with other founders, we will discuss various topics on founding, growing, and selling a business, including how to staff up even when you think you don't have the resources. From time to time, I'll even bring on special guests and more. Click the link in my show notes. We're kicking off in April. So there was something familiar about Allie when we first met. Right from the start, I knew that this was going to be an amazing conversation. Allie is tackling an issue that no one else is, and that is that is career development of young employees starting at the collegiate level. Having founded her own PR agency at age twenty four, yes, twenty four, with no business plan, Allie sold that business and founded Ampersand in twenty twenty. Allie created Ampersand to eliminate at the ed- to eliminate the education to eliminate at the education to employment skills gap that has frustrated her and so many of her entrepreneur peers over the decade. She loves seeing companies and people thrive and has dedicated her time to consulting, inspiring, and mentoring others. Now Allie has found a way to scale those, quote, coffee dates with professionals and entrepreneurs and Ampersand's scalable marketplace ensures both sides succeed. I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation. So come on in and meet the incredibly impressive Allie Danziger. All right. Today on Dear Founder, I have Allie Danziger, who we both feel that we have this mutual connection that we that we somehow can't find from our previous <laughs> lives, but um we don't know how each other is familiar. But in any event, I've been talking to Allie for the last little bit, and she seems so familiar to me, anyways. And I know that we would be fast friends, and I'm so excited for you guys to hear her story today. Um, Allie is a huge, huge, huge proponent of career growth and professional training. And she believes in internships and entry-level training just as much as I do. And I'm really excited for you to hear her story as well as what she's doing with her current company. Um, She has an extensive background and I think she has a lot of knowledge to share with us. So Allie, welcome to Dear Founder.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk to you and fellow founders. Of
0: course. So like I said, I'd love for you to kind of take us back you started an agency when you were 24 years old, which is a pretty big feat. And and I know we were talking about it before, like you probably didn't have a plan, just like I didn't have a plan when I started my <laughs> first business. Um, but I'd love for you to take us through your story and then how you got to where you are today.
1: So start at the beginning or start where I'm at and then go back? Yeah, start at the okay. beginning. Okay. Um, so I'm currently based in Houston and I'm from Houston, was born here, uh, went to worked since I was 16 years old, like that was just the deal with my parents. Um, and I've worked every single day since I, I love working. Um, and it's just part of, part of my DNA. So when I got to college, um, I didn't necessarily, like my parents didn't make me work, but that's just, since I had been working since I was 16 years old, I felt like, you know, after my first, um, six months in college that I saw opportunities in front of me that lined up with my major and people wouldn't hire me for like a "Quote unquote job. And so I start, got my first internship um, that first or second semester of my freshman year at UT um, doing public relations. My major started actually as broadcast journalism and then moved into public relations because again, I um, I knew what I wanted to, or I thought I knew what I wanted to do. And um, in broadcast journalism, I realized that I wasn't going to be able to like actually do much at the beginning parts of my career. And it'd be lots of like living in podunk towns and doing all the all the things and not necessarily getting to, you know, be on camera and tell the stories and do the investigative journalism like I had envisioned. Didn't know what public relations was, envisioned it as like Carrie, or, or, sorry, Samantha on Sex and the City. And... Um, <laughs> in that first intro to communications class, I learned about public public relations and just fell in love of the connection between marketing, communications, internal, external communications, and how that all relates back to business. So, um, throughout college, got internships every six months, uh, in different facets of public relations to really learn as much as I possibly could. And then always had the dream of moving to New York and, and starting my career there. So, um, My first or my spring break of my senior year, I think I had like 15 interviews in New York um, and landed flat on my face, like didn't end up getting a job offer. I had so many friends in finance who, you know, they get their job offers like 18 months before graduating. And so um, I... I didn't feel comfortable moving up there or committing to it without that job. Um, But then once I graduated college and was able to say like, I can start tomorrow, I got that first um, job offer at a public relations agency in New York. Um, You know, as I reflect back on it, so it was the real, the public relations agency was called, is called Quinn and company and they were a real estate focused PR agency. It was 2007 when I graduated. And so um, it was, soon to be the real estate crash uh, that I did not, you know, obviously no one expected, but in New York, real estate is like as sexy and exciting as fashion or makeup or whatever that I thought I wanted to go into. Uh, And then as I interviewed, I realized that like, that wasn't, that wasn't really what I was looking for in my career. And so kind of just fell in love with real estate. Again, not knowing that the real estate market was six months from collapse. (laughs) Um, But it, Really, um, it ended up being just an amazing opportunity working at that first uh, PR agency. The owner didn't really realize what she was doing, but she was creating a little incubator of fellow entrepreneurs. And so we were all when the real estate market crashed, um, we were all allowed to freelance as much as we wanted to make up for the um, fact that you know she couldn't give us raises, and we were making next to nothing. Um, and then they did have to do layoffs. The agency went from 40 people to 20 people. And so I started interviewing around um, realizing this was now 2008, 2000, 2008, and social media was like just starting to become something. So I started interviewing around and ultimately went to my boss and said, you know, when the next round of layoffs comes, just so you know, I'm kind of more interested in the social media side of things. So feel free to like put me in the, the next round of layoffs. Um, I think I want to go in that direction. And what happened from that moment, like this life pivotal moment that I wasn't expecting. Um, they offered me the opportunity to run the social media department. I was 22 and a half, 23 years old, like at Quinn and and company. At Quinn and Company at this PR agency in New York. Yeah. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but like basically hired a team, was running a PL, was going to be at business development meetings on my own, putting proposals together on my own, speaking ultimately, like led to me speaking at conferences on behalf of the agency. No one knew about what social media was. And so, you know, actually like a 23-year-old who is shaking things up, like actually. People were more trusting of me than my 50-year-old boss who had been doing traditional public relations her whole life. And so it was just this amazing rocket ship basically into entrepreneurism. And my, my parents aren't entrepreneurs, but um, it just was, it was an incredible experience. From there, to go back to like she was starting this little incubator. I was traveling around the country, like speaking at these conferences, joining these networking groups. She offered me like basically an unlimited budget to um, learn about social media and teach it to the agency. Um, So I was going to all these conferences and then I would like pick up business that, and I would bring it to the agency and the agency had minimum retainers. And so she was like, no, if they can't pay $5,000 a month, you just take it on yourself. And they even like helped me figure out my first contracts and like how to talk to people in. Uh, these freelance gigs. And it was just amazing. And so um, what ultimately ended up happening is I used up. I mean, we weren't in this hybrid world that we are now. And I used up all my, and, and no one was doing like gig jobs at the time. So in 2009, I used up all of my second vacation days for my freelance work and had to have this moment of like, well, if I guess I was, if I was doing this full time, I would actually make more money than I'm making in my job. So let's see it was not a good student so i didn't know like if i didn't have somewhere to be you know from 9 to 5 um if i would wake up now granted like as i say that i was at the office until midnight like doing things uh, and growing the agency but i didn't know myself and so i was 24 of course i didn't know myself <laughs> um and so i gave myself a month in new york just to like quit my job see if i would do it. Um, my boyfriend at the time now husband, uh, was in Houston where I'm from. And so once I like got more clients in that month, I was like, okay, I guess I can do this, but I couldn't afford to live in New York, um, doing that. And so, you know, not with this steady paycheck. So decided to move to Houston and, um, I'm saying this in quotes, if people can't, but like in quotes, freelance until I decided what I wanted to do with my job, with my life. Um, and then 12 years later, you know, had a, had a thriving agency. So um, I didn't, I never had a business plan, but it was just like kept cranking things out. And then as I was working, you know, 17 hour days, I'm like, okay, I guess I'll hire an intern and get some support. And then hire that intern into a full-time employee and keep growing that way. Um, We were at my house that I lived at with my boyfriend at the time, now husband, and he finally kicked us out and was like, okay, you've got four people in this bedroom of our house. It's time for you guys to grow up and get an office. Uh, So we did, we got the office in 2011, no, 2010, I guess. And um, then really when I, I, like I hired more people, people were asking questions about like, 401k and benefits. And, you know, you fire someone and you've got to put contracts together, cybersecurity. And so really it was just kind of like figuring things out as we went along until 2012. And then I was like, okay, it's been three years. We've got a real agency. What does this look like? And then um, ultimately, like now I'll fast forward the story because it's not as exciting with all those um, intricacies. But over the next Eight years, grew the agency at the highest point. We were like 27 employees Um, over the years um, when I, well, so then I sold the company in 2018. Ended up staying on board as co-founder and president, running all of our sales and growth for the next three and a half years and um, stepped away in May of 2020. 21. (laughs) I mean, it's early 2022. So I'm still getting my years. And it all, the
0: last two years all also together.
1: Yeah. Um, so ended up stepping away from the, from the company in may Worked through a succession plan. I'm still a board member, still a shareholder, have a great relationship with, um, the team there. And, um, officially launched my my next business, uh, which is Ampersand. It's an internship recruiting and training platform. Uh, I've started it nights and weekends in the fall of 2020, raised a pre-seed round or kicked, did a first close of a pre-seed friends and family round in March of 2021. And then really like we were off to the races, closed on an additional fundraising round um, in September of 2021 through two strategic investors. One, a female-focused VC based here in Houston, and the other um, is like a, a, a strategic company that understands our, our long-term vision. So closed on net, you know, we closed on overall 1.75 million in September of 2021 and um, off to the races. So I can give a little bit more context into yeah, what we're Yeah. I want to know what
0: Ampersand, amp- tell, tell our audience what Ampersand does, because I think yeah. not only do we want to know? But I think that there are a lot of people out there listening that could absolutely benefit from what you do and utilize your services.
1: Great. Yeah. So um, we upskill young professionals from mostly from like underrepresented backgrounds, um, 18 to 23 year olds, teach them all the skills that's basically frustrated me as a business owner for 12 years in hiring and recruiting interns that they don't know how to set a calendar invite, how to show up for a meeting, how to take notes in a meeting, how to talk to your manager that you're about to miss the deadline. Like all of those very basic job skills, we train them on. It's 50 hours of asynchronous and live training for these young professionals. And then once they complete that curriculum and become a certified ampersand professional, we put them and businesses through a matching algorithm like a dating app and connect them um, for internship paid internship opportunities. So you hire businesses, it's totally free, hire them on their own platform. We do only allow paid internship opportunities, again, with our mission of democratizing access and focusing on underrepresented communities. Um, But you hire them on your own, it's totally free. And we today have like 750 trained professionals on the platform. We've touched over 5,000 professionals in less than a year. And um, yeah, we, we really have an awesome success rate of our businesses hiring additional interns or hiring their interns into full-time hires. And what is your revenue model? So we work with university partners to augment their career services. So like we're not focused on your top universities because they've got millions, if not billions of dollars right. into career services, but that other 2500 universities in the US that are not your like top 1000 ranked universities they have these decentralized career services departments they the, they don't have strong alumni networks recruiting from them and so it's very hard for them to find the businesses to give their students a chance and so we they they see the value in both are uh, upskilling and the way that they can really scale that career training, as well as the business connections that we offer to their students. So on the business side, when when you go through like the dating app, basically to be connected with interns, it's completely unbiased hiring as we redact the name and the university name, and so you're truly not hiring like, oh, I have a preconceived notion about people who come from this university or who have this type of name, male, female, race, whatever, um, but these are the skills. These are the qualifications. This is the best candidate for the role. Of course, when you get on an interview, it's a Zoom interview and, you know, biases can come into play there, but trying to really, so from the professional side, we're focused on democratizing access and getting that first internship. On the business side, really focused, and this is like, you know, a simultaneous passion basically on increasing diversity in corporations i really don't feel that companies can like hire a chief diversity officer check the box great we're now we're now a diverse company or only hire at the leadership level diverse candidates because now for esg requirements you know it's being that's being monitored but like let's look at the bottom of the ranks. How are you growing your diversity, diverse pipeline over time, over the next 10 years, and really giving people from school, different schools, different backgrounds, a chance, and it's risky. And so we um, de-risk that by certifying them through our training and coaching.
0: I love what you're doing because earlier on in your story, you talked about the opportunity to learn from Quinn and company and how you were 24 at the time and you were just grabbing on every opportunity, but it wasn't that you were just grabbing the opportunities. They were giving you the opportunity and she was saying to you, I want you to learn. I want you, I want to train you. And you really seized that moment. I mean, I, you know, and not everyone would have, you know, I mean, you really seized that moment and took it to a place where. Again a lot of people probably wouldn't have but I love that you kind of have taken that yeah, yeah. and you ha- and you are applying that to what you are doing today in terms of yeah. giving young adults that leadership that they need that they're not getting in the workplace largely because we're all doing a hundred jobs
1: you yeah. know
0: every employee is doing a million things right now and you get a an, an intern or you get a new employee and they come in and you're like throwing sh- like shit at them all the time, and it really and truly, you're not giving them that training. And so, I think that what you're doing is amazing. Like you were groomed, and now you're doing the grooming for other businesses, which is just unreal. I I, I like love everything about what it is that you're doing, and the, I think my first question based on like everything that you just said you talked about nights and weekends that you did this on nights and weekends. And I, I see that as a common thread with a lot of founders. And obviously you had a big job that you were doing while you were doing this on nights and weekends. What was the moment that you were like, okay, I can take this and make it a full-time thing
1: versus just nights and weekends. um, So, I mean, the, the moment happened when I closed on the first $750,000 and I was like, okay, this, this has legs and it can be more than a nights and weekends thing. Other people are invested and believe in this, but I'll be really uh, vulnerable with you and tell you like the exact moment that I was like, I can't do, I can't juggle both jobs. Um, Since this is all females. Yeah. there's other moms out there in the same situation. Uh, it was spring break and I was in the middle of fundraising for while still you know running my company. And um we we live in Houston and had a had rented a beach house for the weekend in Galveston. And I left the beach house to go to Houston because I needed to like to um take some of these investor calls. And bad mom moment that I, I still really regret and beat myself up over, but I thought it was a better decision to leave in the middle of the night and not tell my kids where I was going. And, um, you know, then like come back on Friday and be like fully present with them. So I left Tuesday night in the middle of the night, I was gone Wednesday and Thursday. And my plan was to like, come back and be fully, fully there. I got so much done being home by myself with no kids, no husband. It was awesome. But, I, my, I had at the time a two and a three-year-old now a three and a four-year-old and my kids still remember that I left and didn't say bye. And it, it broke my, it broke their hearts. It broke my heart. And, um, I was just juggling too much and I couldn't, I couldn't juggle at all anymore.
0: The best part? There's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FoundHer and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. So when you made the decision that you were going to move forward with this full-time, you closed your funding, you're going to move forward. Yeah how was it to leave your first company? Because that's a big thing too. And yes, and I yeah. know like, that's like leaving your baby.
1: That's, that was your first baby. So, it was my first baby, yeah. Um, and I I built that company really different than the way that I'm building this one. That in so many ways, um, and I'm sure the company would would even agree with this now if, if they're listening, but like I built it as the Alley show and like Ali was the face of it. And it was really not a smart, business decision frankly because it made it a I was so much so attached to it and also so hard for me to step away both for the continuity of the business and personally um we worked through this succession plan for about 6 months so it was um we we had a great person like we bought a, a small agency and um she took over really my role in terms of running all of our sales and growth which was great and luckily like there's an entire leadership team in place that like So the company is good, you know, in a good spot. Um, But emotionally, it's really hard. And I, um, you know, like I was so don't take my email away from me because it's been my email for 12 years. I never had a Gmail. Like I never had a personal email because my life is business and business is life. And um, I was like, people are definitely going to be emailing me and saying like, I can't believe you left. And not one everything was fine. And like, while I'm so glad that everything was fine, because again, like I still have ownership in the company, so I want everything to be fine. It hurt my ego big time that like no one needed me anymore. Um, But but on the converse
0: though, don't you think though, that that just is, that's a signal is that you did the right thing. I mean, you know, like, like
1: it was time. It's okay to
0: that no one need that no one needs you anymore. It's, exactly. you know, it just they needed hard. you
1: for, of course. Oh my and God. And I don't think course. anyone talks about like that. It is, it was hard in that moment that like, wait, y'all are, y'all are functioning and actually thriving without me. How is that possible? But they are. And it's great. And like, it's been great for me to, as we talked about at the beginning, um, learn, realize about myself that like I was capable of doing more. Cause I've never done anything else in my career other than Then run an agency like basically, I started running my own agency even within Quinn and Company when I was 23 years old. So um, to to build that self confidence or at least like learn new things like I I could do that job in my sleep and I there probably were times that I like basically was doing it in my sleep, which isn't fair to the company. And so to to learn new things and to make new mistakes and all of that is just it's what it's what I needed and it's been really fun.
0: So I would like you also to touch upon, um, and, and anyone who has gone through a fundraise that's been on Dear Found Her, I've asked to talk about that process. And I and I asked that really deliberately because when I owned Bump Club, I didn't even know that it was an option to fundraise. Yeah. Like when I, like I wasn't like an entrepreneur by nature. I mean, very similar to you, no plan. Like just kind of flew by the seat of my pants and went yeah. with it. And then all of a sudden people started asking me like, are you going to raise money? And I'm like, what do you mean? What is that? I don't. What, I don't even know what you're talking about. How do you raise money? And they were throwing out terms to me. where well, you can get you know friends and family and angel investors and blah blah blah. And I was like, I, I don't even know what you are talking about. Obviously, I moved through. You know, I I found the answers and I did my due diligence and I figured out what it was that I wanted to do. I did never. I never raised money. Um, that wasn't something that I did. I bootstrapped until I sold. And I think it's a very valuable lesson for people listening to hear how you kind of go about finding those VCs yep. and how it is that you decide what, what avenue to take.
1: Yeah. So um, first off, I will say the best book I read was Venture Deals. And I highly recommend it to anyone. It's like, is basically a dictionary as well as, a guidebook um, for everything you need to know for raising money. And it dumbs it down if you have no idea. So that that was, you know, really the first step. I'm very fortunate that my husband was an MA private bank MA investment banker. So he is a deal guy, understands how all this works, um, went to business school and helped both selling my company as well as just like how some of this stuff works. Um, so that has been, you know, obviously like an incredible resource that I that I have at my disposal. Um, and then in terms of like how my process went, um, it started with friends and family. Well, I'll also give a shout out to another amazing resource. And her her name is Stacy and her company is Startup Fire. And she helps startup entrepreneurs build investor decks. So like I went to her with my my first call with her, I was terrified. I had nothing, like not even an outline. I just was like, "This is how much money I want to raise. I think what does this sound okay? You know how do how, how do I communicate this? what How do I organize my story? And she was super helpful. Yeah, I
0: really appreciate you saying that because a lot of people don't know what they're doing or what they want to raise. And I, I, I really want to use this platform to call attention to yeah. the fact that even very successful entrepreneurs who have sold their businesses and or raised money for new businesses often don't know what the hell they're doing, yeah. and it's like asking for help, right? And it's and yeah. like you found yeah. this person, and that was
1: why you hired her. Yeah, she was wonderful. Um, And I'm about to go raise again. And I have a call with her later this week because we strategize on my next investor deck and had a call right before this with one of my advisors. Still, like I've raised money once before and now about to go raise again. I'm like, wait, how do I determine valuation? How do I figure out how much to raise? And just so you know, what she told me of how to figure out how much to raise is 12 to 24 months of runway, assuming zero revenue coming in. So what are your expenses? Overestimate, assume you're going to like have to pay more legal fees, more developer fees, whatever, um, for, for 24 months. And so I'll be doing it based off of 18 months, you know, uh, hopefully revenue does come in and all, you know, things go better than planned, but that's how, you know, what, what her advice was. Um, but so I put the deck together, finally practiced with a friend who I asked, uh, a couple friend to give me two hours, I would buy them wine and dinner and let me pitch to them and them give me their honest feedback. I knew they would never invest and I wasn't, I truly was not asking them for money, but it was one of the most, one of the things I will forever be most grateful to, because I was terrified and so embarrassed and it, that deck was bad. Um, but they gave me really honest feedback um, and you need that, right? So, and then I just started scheduling Zoom meetings with friends and family members who I thought, you know, would be willing to invest and lots of no's and lots of like, no, but let me connect you with this person who might be interested. Um, You kind of have to fake it till you make it a little bit and play the game a little bit of like, um, well, I've closed on, you know, I have commitments for 60% of it and I'm just trying to get the last 40%. and. Playing a little bit of that. Um, but you yeah, are a salesperson me. also
0: by nature. Of and course. so, and of course, you're gonna use those skills to get the money that you need.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then, you know, I was being really strategic too, of like right before a call i would like make sure that like there was something good on my instagram or my linkedin or something so that when they went to go look me up on linkedin there was something like i was getting pr coverage on myself again coming from a pr background like so that there was stuff out there so it looked maybe bigger than it actually was at the time and that was that was really Helpful. Um, and then I I closed on it in March with, you know, the friends and family commitments that I had gotten um, because I needed that cash in order to, to do more. Uh, and that, but kept kept the round open so that I could raise more if, if the opportunities presented itself, really because two big people that I wanted to to invest, they were, it was March and they were like, oh, gone for spring break. And then they It was in Houston, like there was the big freeze. And so people were like, "Uh, come back to me after the summer. So that was my plan is like, I wanted to keep talking to some, those two strategic investors over the summer. Neither of them ended up investing. Um, but it allowed me legally, like once you close the run you only have 90 days after that to still keep raising at that same valuation. So it allowed me by not officially closing it to just like keep having some of these conversations. And the, the VC that ended up investing, I had an existing relationship with her from my marketing agency days. And so we went to lunch, actually like kind of similar to when i sold the company like we went to lunch in a totally different way where she was asking me to invest and to to be on the advisory board and then um i i was like well i actually can't invest in anything right now i'm only kind of investing in myself and and ampersand right now don't have any extra disposable investment ca- capital and she was like oh i didn't realize you were doing this and it turned into them investing in in ampersand so but
0: that also speaks to your relationships as well and and your, network. you know, I mean, in your yeah. network because you know yeah. she trusted you and she knew what you stood for, and obviously yeah. she wanted you to be a part of her team, and so
1: now it's just she's a part of yours, right? Yeah, right? we're we're part of each other's teams, and right, you know, I think like that was the that was a part that was really hard for me was like asking people for money and also not knowing from a friend's perspective like where people's financial situations actually are, um, and you know, not being scared to like. Beg for the money basically and know that it, they are investing at this round of or the previous round. Like, I recognize that they are investing in me, Ali Danziger. I have an awesome team. I have a great co founder. Like, I, but um, th- at this, stage, they're trusting it, you, they're trusting me to. Be stewards of their money. And they're like, I have no idea what Ampersand will be. At the time we had no revenue model. But they're like, but I trust that you're going to figure it out and you're not going to sleep until this becomes something, who whatever it becomes.
0: And that too, I think is very important to say. Um, because you're probably like the second or third founder on the podcast who has talked about when you do a friends and family, it is you that they're investing in. And you know, you want to have this proof of concept, but you might not have the proof of concept yet. And yeah you know, people investing in you speaks to you as a, a person, as a human, and also to your work ethic. Right. And exactly. what they know about you. Yeah. Do you think that it was easier to raise money during the pandemic because just hopping on a Zoom was so much easier and it was easy to pin people down? Or do you still think that it, it would have been easier if you were to able, if you would have been able to meet people in person?
1: Yeah, um, I don't have anything good to compare it to, right? Because I've only raised money during COVID, although I know that I connect better with people in person than over Zoom. Um, so I I'm disappointed that I wasn't able to do that. But in my next this next round, I'm hopeful that like things will get a little bit better in the short term and um I will be able to meet with some of these investors in person, going out to San Francisco and New York and, and whatnot.
0: What do you envision is the future for Ampersand? I mean, you're talking about the next round. You you you've explained to us what you guys do now yeah. and how you, how you guys make money and your revenue model. But what's next?
1: Yeah. So I mean, I want to truly way change the way that um, young professionals get their first internship and businesses hire interns. Um, and I there. I know without a doubt that A, it's a broken system and we it needs change. There's a systemic issue at universities and the way that young professionals or students are choosing their first jobs and internships broken based off of like business and communication majors and the career services are all the money is going to those schools from large companies what about startups what about smaller companies that can't afford $50,000 in recruiting costs from top universities and so focus like i want to to break this system and offer another solution and no one else seems to be doing that so um i, I like i envision us having hundreds of thousands of professionals on the platform hundreds of universities Large enterprise companies to startups, all using us uh, to hire and train their entry-level employees. I
0: would venture to say that when you you said you did a ton of internships, and so did I. That when you interned yeah. and when I interned it was very different than when people are interning now. I mean, I think back. I, I interned at Cosmopolitan in London during my semester abroad, and I walked in one day. And it was truly a Devil Wears Prada moment where yes. the editor dumped a bookshelf of travel books, like photos and fromers and whatever, on the ground and asked me and the other American intern to alphabetize them while the two British interns were like off covering some beauty event, really and truly. yes. Wow.
1: yes.
0: So, you know, so I know that that doesn't happen today. But what would be advice that you give to a company who is looking to hire an intern or you know, a really fresh entry-level employee in order to groom them and keep them? I, you know, I see even my husband, you know, he works in corporate America. I do not. And I see the turnover that he faces on a regular yeah. basis. And what would you recommend to a company?
1: To yeah, keep so those employees. Yeah, Gen, Gen Z is getting such a bad rap right now. Um, but really they bring... Such an incredible perspective to the workplace. And so we businesses of all sizes just need to like respect the perspective that they have, like and the world that they've grown up in. Um, but really listening to them and helping to reframe the biggest thing is like listening to what they want, what they want out of their career, what they want out of their life, and rephrasing or reframing the projects that they're working on and how it directly can impact their future and what type of impact they can have on the company. And so that's how, like, that's how we've gotten the most impact from my, like, the interns that I've hired 200 interns in my career um, at Integrate. And so that was always our talent acquisition strategy. And by reframing the work into, like, even if it's alphabetizing all the books, why it's useful for you as the company, like, I need these in alphabetical order so that when I need to go find a book, I can find it within five seconds because it's really embarrassing for me if I can't and no way I was alphabetizing the books
0: and they told us. It was so that, it was so that the editors could use the books to go on holidays. It had nothing to even do with work. So yeah. that's why I was alphabetizing the books.
1: That was well, also in 2000, like, <laughs> 20. Well, years Lindsay, it, 20 years ago. It's different. Like when I talk to other business owners and me myself, like I did whatever my boss asked of me, and I didn't really think about my, the impact that I was making or how this was changing my life. But that is what um our young professionals today need and as a older millennial like i would make fun of the younger millennials who like needed accommodations for texting or slack or digital communication and it drove me crazy that i had to make those accommodations but i did and now that's the norm of of the work world and some of these things that the young professionals are asking for today are driving managers crazy and they're not they're not changing the way that they work. like And and so because of that, it's hard to hire. It's hard to retain. And if we could just make some quick and easy changes to the way that we communicate and assign projects, you can make a lot of, of headway. I also
0: found, you know, I, I am a big believer. I think you and I probably think a lot alike in, in this regard because we used a lot of interns also at Bump Club. The more you put into an intern, the more you get out of an intern, you know, yeah. I mean, there is this give take and whether it's an intern or an assistant an entry-level employee. And I had some entry-level employees that, you know, I taught them, I took the moment to teach them how to do whatever it was. And oftentimes, especially when it came to social media and whatnot, they taught me, right? Yeah. And these people became amazing employees. My first employee at Bump Club had zero experience and she was with me for seven years you know, until the job kind of outgrew her and she needed to really get some other experience. I just hired one of my freelancers from Bump Club on a project I'm doing now three years later because yeah. she was so great. And 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 it was, you know, she wanted to move to Arizona, so we let her move to Arizona. I didn't care that she, right. this was before the pandemic. So yeah. to your point, it is yeah. putting in, right, to get it in.
1: And And what I'll say, you know, about Ampersand that I think our platform does really well is these young professionals may not have the skills, they may not have the experience, but what they do have is they have the grit mentality and they have the determination because it's not easy to get certified three ampersand. Like it is a process to go through all of our curriculum, all of our training, all of our coaching. And so if they come out the other side, they will be successful in their internship. Um, And yeah, I mean, like we're very choosy about who actually makes it all the way through and then how how our pl- how our algorithm, excuse me, actually places those internships. So it it helps take out like the two that you just mentioned. I'm sure that those young professionals, even though they had no experience, they had the right mentality. And that's what's so hard to find in a resume. So rather than you know, sorting through a thousand, five thousand, thirty thousand resumes for an internship posting, what we bring to the table is. We, we've got that. Like you don't have to waste all the time. You're going to be matched with the right person for you who has already been pre-vetted. Which is amazing.
0: <laughs> and I, I just hope everyone who's listening hears that because this is an amazing solution for your hiring needs. And that's you know one of the 10 reasons why we have Allie on today. And Allie, before I let you go, I want you to share with us the same thing I ask every founder at the end of every interview because I like to ask, What are three things that you would tell someone who's starting a company now? What what three bits of advice would you give them? You've done this twice, so you have a lot of knowledge to share. And I know that I'm asking you to sum it up into you know three bullet points, but your top
1: three: make mistakes, like you have to. You have to test things. You cannot be afraid to fail because the greatest moments of growth are from those failures. Surround yourself with rock stars, even if you know, it's interns or advisors or mentors, but like, it's so lonely and it's so hard to do when you don't have people to just communicate with. Um, and so oh, don't feel like it needs to be this like perfect package. Like, um, you know, we all envision what our office will look like and what, what the website will look like and the product will look like, but get it out there, test it, see again, to the idea of like failing, but like, make sure people like it before you make it the most perfect beautiful expensive version of what it can be and then let your customers or the data actually tell you what it should become um that like that in this business has been something that i try to stay really focused on and in my last business you know it was a marketing agency like i envisioned how cute it would all be and like what beautiful the office would be and the types of clients we would be working on and the big projects and the big budgets but you know, I first had to like get other people to say yes to that before it could become what I, what I envisioned and, and same thing here. So ho- hopefully those three were
0: all enough. great advice. You have been
1: a seriously, a wealth of knowledge
0: today. So I appreciate your time. I appreciate your candor. Allie Danziger from Ampersand. Thank
1: you so much for being under your founder. Where can we find you? Uh, Our website is ampersandpro.com. So everything's there. And then all of our social media, email, all that, go there. And we'll link it in the show notes. Thank you so much, Allie. Thank you. I
0: myself learned so much from today's episode. I'm guessing that you did too. Take out your pen and paper and get ready to write down some of Allie's takeaways. Number one, as an employer, you need to think about how you're growing your diverse pipeline over time next 10 years and really giving people from different schools and backgrounds a chance to be employed. Number two, something I can certainly understand, founding a business around yourself, as Allie did with her first peer agency, was not necessarily the smartest business decision. It made her so attached to her business and it made it harder to step away for both the business and for herself. Number three, if you're raising money, read the book Venture Deals. It's a guidebook for everything that you need to know about raising money for your business. Number four, when you do a friends and family fundraise, it's you that they are investing in. You don't always have a proof of concept and they're trusting you. Number five, the work world is different than when we, me and Allie, were younger. Some of the asks from young professionals today are making hiring managers crazy. But if we can make some quick and easy changes that in the way that we communicate, we can make a lot of headway. And that's something that Ally's company is really trying to solve. Number six, make mistakes. You absolutely have to. You have to test things. You can't be afraid to fail. The greatest moments of growth are from those failures. Number seven, surround yourself with rock stars, advisors, interns, mentors. It's really lonely when you don't have people to communicate with. Number eight, Don't feel like it needs to be a perfect package. Just get it out there, test it, make sure that people like it before you make it your most perfect and expensive version of how how it should be. Let your customers and data tell you what it should become. I cannot thank you enough for being here today. I cannot thank Ellie enough for joining us. Um, this was a great episode of Dear Found Her. Make sure that you follow at Lindsay Pinchuk and at Dear Found Her on Instagram. We have some amazing guests coming up, so please make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, or wherever you listen. If you know someone who wants to start their own business or who has a great idea, make sure to text them this episode or post it on your Instagram. Tag me at Lindsay Pinchuk and I'll reshare it. Um, I'll reshare some of those to say thank you. Thanks for bearing with me as I'm battling a nasty cold, um, but I definitely didn't want to miss an episode. I'll be back soon with another one.